Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey, Aaron. Guess what? I don't know why, but I'm talking like I'm singing. I was like thinking of the song, like, hey, Aaron, it's birthday. But then I was oh like, my gosh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, San Diego Comic Con's coming. Yes, next week. It is. And there is a Clone Wars panel, which I'm actually kind of excited about. The Star Wars show said who was going to be on that panel. Did you see it? I did see that. Yes. So it's actually we, a smaller group than I expected. Yeah, it is smaller. Uh, so Dave Filoni, obviously, uh, Athena Portillo, Ashley Eckstein, and Matt Banter. Yes. So oh, I was Kevin. thinking with it being a 10th anniversary panel that they would have like a lot of the main voice cast. Well, okay. So this is the announced cast probably for like the hype. Like, look who we're going to have. And then you go into the panel and then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, who's standing back here? It's James Arnold Taylor, you know? Yeah, that's true. There could be surprise guests that pop out. Of course. I would assume so. And then they said something like, this is something you're not going to want to miss. And I'm like, why? Is the Clone Wars coming back? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was wondering, because we know there's an, a new animated series coming mm-hmm. that we really haven't gotten a lot of information about, that maybe they would do kind of a surprise trailer drop during san diego comic-con and since that's the panel that dave filoni's gonna be at oh i don't know about that but it would be a surprise because nobody's talking about it so yeah yes true but in the book world for san diego comic-con we have thrawn alliances is going to have an exclusive cover which i believe is the anakin and thrawn cover correct Yes, yep. Anakin kind of standing behind Thrawn and Thrawn standing there with his like really cool armor and his must up hair. hair. Oh, hot Thrawn. Is that his, a thing? Yeah, his hot callus <laughs> hair. That's like the thing now. His hot callus hair. Just have a few, a few strands go down the forehead and suddenly you're hot. Suddenly you're hot. Uh, yeah, so there's that. But I think the thing I'm more excited about is the poster that was revealed that will be in the Barnes and Noble version of the book that's Padme it looks awesome yeah that was kind of a surprise announcement I think that was that just today they announced that I think so but yeah I hadn't I wasn't expecting there to be kind of a Barnes and Noble exclusive poster for this book so and then Padme of all people well that just means she's in the book yeah Padme's in the book with Anakin Thrawn should be a pretty interesting and like the planet that Oh, was it Batu, like Galaxy's Edge planet? Yeah, apparently she's in some sort of conflict over Batu. Um, and you're you're sitting on your Batu. That's the whole problem with that planet. Is like all the jokes that are going to come with it. Anyway, I never uh, even thought that. That's really Batu makes you think yeah. what booty? Yeah, it's your Batu. Your Batu. See, I've never. Why are you sitting on your Batu? No. Never would have thought Shake it. Now I will. Thanks. 
There's apparently an excerpt of the book on StarWars.com and like an audio clip or whatever. I'm not going to read it because I don't read those, but... I know. Uh, yeah. Yes, I actually haven't read the excerpt or listened to the audio, but I will because I do like to... I like to get previews and teases before stuff. Nah. You know what's a hard word to say? What? Excerpt. Ex- excerpt. Because a lot, a lot of excerpt. people will say like excerpt or ex, ex- excerpt. There's no Z, you know, it's hard. It's It's like, why would you make a word with an X and a C and then like a silent P, you know, excerpt. Language can be frustrating sometimes. Yes. Yes, it can. So that's about it. There's not a whole lot going on really in Star Wars period at the moment. It's we're in like a lull, which I'm fine with. Actually, it gives me time to concentrate. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's some yeah there's some cool comics coming out, um, but we're a bit behind on comics, so we're not talking about any of the new comics that are coming out. But I I really want to get caught up. I wanna I wanna just for me personally, I want to read some of the series that are going on because I keep hearing about new stuff that's coming, but I'm like two or three volumes behind, so I I'm like oh, I don't want stuff to start getting spoiled. Yeah, but it's just called life. <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah, it is. But we're but we are. Trying to keep up at least with the solo-related stuff that's been coming out. And they had the two novels, Most Wanted and Last Shot, which we reviewed last shot. Was it last episode? Last shot, last time. Yep. And then today we're going to be reviewing Most Wanted. Wait, Han's furriest friend. Was that Hans last shot? Han's furriest friend. Yeah, because remember, they called him Han's furriest friend in the in the uh, book summary. Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so... We're going to be reviewing Most Wanted today, though. So Hooray, the two tie-in novels we will have covered. Yay! So do you want me to read this? Yeah. Want to okay. jump into it? Nothing else we want to sure. talk about before the uh, the review? I don't have anything. Okay. Let's just review the book, then. All right. So we are reviewing Most Wanted. The publisher is Disney Lucasfilm Press. The author is Ray Carson, who is one of my favorite Star Wars authors now. And the release date was May 25th of 2018. And this is the publisher's summary. Set before the events of Solo Star Wars Story, Han and Kira don't have a lot in common other than not having a lot. They're street kids on the industrial planet Corellia doing whatever it takes to get by, dreaming of something more. They each jump at a chance to prove themselves in the perilous world of Corellia's criminal underbelly, only to discover they are on the same mission for the same unscrupulous boss. When the job goes disastrously wrong, Han and Kira are on the run from pirates, a droid crime syndicate, the Empire, and their boss, and will have to learn to trust each other if they are going to survive. Remember when we reviewed the movie Solo? Yeah. And I was saying that the very first part with Lady Proxima, I was kind of like, eh, I don't know if I'm on board. And it wasn't until after that that I kind of got on board with the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, this book is like all about that. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to know more about Lady Proxima and the White Worms and the inner workings of their like organization, this book is for you. I actually really like this because I like Han Young and getting to know Kira and the character of Su'ulo is probably my favorite character from the entire book. I also like Tool. Tool is this droid that Han knows 
because uh, he basically is like a big giant tool. Not like a tool, like a stupid person, but like a tool right. that you like would he, use he for fix stuff and fixing stuff. things. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not <laughs> saying I didn't like the book. I was just saying that that was that was a part of the movie that I didn't. I wasn't like, oh, this is really a really cool part. Mm-hmm. But then the book had a lot of that kind of stuff in it. But I think it helped that I didn't have to see Lady Proxima. I just had to read about her. Oh, she's such a gross. Because looking... she's gross. She's like, she's like a, like a grub, you know, or like a larvae of a fly or something. Like, like a big white worm. White worm. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally, wh- literally what they're called. When it, one of the things I did really appreciate about this, and I, this, I will give Disney Lucasfilm Press like props, is their book covers are always better than anybody oh, else. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I really like the fact that when you take the dust it's jacket off, because of their butterfly, buttery feel. <laughs> when you take the dash, the dust jacket off, it actually still has the image from the from mm-hmm. the cover, but it doesn't have all the writing over it. So it's just like a really cool artwork. I really, really like that. Yeah, I I do too. And you're right. It's totally the way they make their books and even the design and like the paper that they use and the font and all that stuff is really good too. Yes. I would say they care. They do better than any of the other publishers when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. For sure. But... Also when it comes to stories recently, in my opinion, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, last shot, I don't know. What, would no, you say you like this really better good. than last shot? No, um, okay. I like them. I like last shot better, but you know, I mean, just in general. Overall, with the new canon, you kind of you, you tend to like the Disney stuff better. Yeah, it's been my favorite, but I think it's because it's that it tell they're telling different stories in it, you know, and like new characters. Anyway, that's not the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I did the audiobook like I usually do, and I really enjoyed the audiobook, and I really like. Is it Sasha Saskia Maraveld or something? is the the narrator for the book for the audiobook find it mhm yeah Saskia Maraveld did the audiobook and she did a really good job in my opinion I really really liked it yes I agree I did listen to some of it on audiobook um I'd probably say about half I think I did about half and half and so I I did uh, really enjoy her her reading the book. And I thought she did a, a good job of, you know, there's a nice balance between trying to sound like a character or sound different enough. So you can tell the difference between the characters, but not try to go like all in and do a full on imitation of a character. Mm-hmm. And I thought she did a really good balance of that where she, she definitely changed up her voice, but she didn't do like these really heavy um, kind of imitations. Yes, that was true. Okay, well, let's jump into this. Is there anything about this book that stood out to you? I think the main thing I enjoyed about the book was kind of just getting to know the characters more. I mean, we know Han really well because he's been in a ton of stuff, but but we don't know him very well from pre-Solo. Mm-hmm. And then Kira, you know, we really don't know anything else about other than the movie. So it's it was nice to see those two characters interact you know, kind of in a prequel to the movie. I actually liked this 
because of this element of it, I think I liked it more than I liked Last Shot. Mm-hmm. Because I felt like you got to see Kira a little bit more. You kind of get to see a little, a little bit more about her personality and her motivations, and it held it helped me understand her more. Because like in the movie, I liked the character, but by the end, I was kind of really frustrated with the character. But, yeah, but now you kind of understand like why she does all the things that she does. Yeah, you can even, see the even seeds. in the movie. Yeah, you can see the seeds of like them coming from nothing and literally living in just about the worst you can imagine type of life, you know, living in sewers. I mean, you can't really get much lower than that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all the different things that happened to her throughout the book, you know, for her, it's all about just kind of surviving and, and getting to that next, you know, part of the, the place in life where she can feel safe. And so you can kind of see why she made the decision she did in the movie. Yeah, the one thing that we didn't get that I really wanted, though, is I wanted to see their romance blossom. And that did not happen. And I kept waiting and waiting. And then I got we were getting to the end and I was like, what the heck? Huh. See, when do they become a couple? I, I'm so glad bad. you brought that up. I loved that. They didn't do that. Really? Because that has actually been one of my hangups about the Disney, you know, the, the YA stuff that they've been doing is they always have that in there. They always have some kind of teeny bop love story thing going on and i was like please don't do that in this book and they didn't and it got close to the end and it seemed like they might be going there they had a couple scenes where you're like oh it's about to happen they're gonna kiss or something like that and they never did it and i was so happy well the only reason that i can say like that i really wanted to see it is because of the fact that they were like that in the movie so i kind of wanted to see how they got there you know yeah and And i can see that it, for me, it was just the continuation of the movie. Like, obviously, they get to that point, and I was just really curious to see how that occurred, and it didn't happen. So that's what I was bummed about because we already know that they're a couple. So yeah. I would totally understand it if it was, like, a random person that, you know, Han has a romantic relationship with that we're not aware of, and it's just kind of forced down your throat type of thing. But since it was already pre-established, that's where yeah. I was at. Yeah, and I totally, I get that, and I think they, they did a really good job of telegraphing it, and that's kind of what I enjoyed, because it wasn't like they didn't acknowledge it. You know, they did telegraph it throughout the book. You had scenes where she's kind of talking about, like, oh, his smile, I don't mind it that much anymore, or, like, you know, she yeah. kind of flushed red when he did something, or, you know, she starts to become attracted to him. They definitely wrote yes. that into the book. And he he obviously was crushing on her. You know, you you got that impression pretty quick as well. And then by the end, they're holding hands. And so the, they're definitely telegraphing the relationship without going into the relationship. And I actually kind of liked that because this book focused more on their, you know, getting to know each other and becoming friends as opposed to it just being based on like some sort of crush or romance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. So, I mean, it's okay that they didn't go down that route. I just would have liked it. But I'm also a sucker. Yeah. And I know um, I'm a sucker. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was cool to see the two characters interact in that way. You know, to, to actually have them start out where they don't even like each other. They're kind of rivals. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool dynamic because they could have totally started this book out and they're just already a couple and they're working together. But the fact that they started that out... would have been boring. Yeah, it would have been boring. So they were, you know, they were rivals and then they were almost forced to kind of go on this adventure together and 
start to appreciate each other's qualities. And I, I actually thought that was really a really good way to tell that story. Oh, yeah, I would agree. Totally. And I really liked getting to understand the inner workings of the white worms. You know, I've always kind of liked that. Like when we did the Servants of the Empire and we got to understand the inner workings of the Empire and like the Imperial Academy and stuff. I really like those type of things. Yeah, you get, you start to see these organizations that, like in the movies, you, you get glimpses of it, but you don't really understand how it all works and how it all ties together. Mm-hmm. And I did, I like to get a little bit more detail because it's a pretty big deal that that's where Han and Kira came from. You know, they've been a part of this group for a long time. So it's a big deal to kind of see where they came from um, and why they were so desperate to get out of there. You totally understood it. By the time you finished reading this book, you're like, yeah, they needed to get out of there. Well, I would have wanted to get out of there anyway. I mean, it's a bunch of worms. <laughs> it was gross. <laughs> I think there were some characters that we saw in the movie that were part of that group. Like Malik, right? That was, Malik. He was He was in the book. The other guy that was like the dog wrangler. That's Rebolt. Rebolt. I, I couldn't remember if he was in the movie or not. Like maybe he we is. saw him. I actually, but... I went and checked the visual guide for Solo. Okay. And he actually is. So the the character that is handling all of the hounds in the movie is Rebolt. Okay. That's cool. That, I, I'm glad that they they did that. They used characters that we already saw in the movie because that will now enhance the viewing of the movie next time we see it because we'll be like, oh, we got to see those characters interact um, a little bit more. Well, and I actually was curious if Saulo was in the movie because he was so present in this book, right? And then the thing happened, and I was like, oh, well, that's why he's not. <laughs> Saulo, <laughs> yes. It was, it was kind of an interesting, you know, it, it seems like a pretty typical storytelling um, device to have, like, these three characters that are together, you know? Mm. it's like the the harry hermione ron type of dynamic and you know I, I thought that worked pretty well in this book and he was he was one of those characters that he wasn't around at the beginning like when they when han and kira first kind of are forced together and they go out on their little mission their separate missions that they didn't realize was the same mission mm-hmm. and then he ends up kind of being injected into the situation because they needed him to bring like dog biscuits, I guess. No, and his data pad. <laughs> oh, his data pad. That's right. They sent the dog biscuit to get him to come back because they knew he would know it was them, right? Right. They used the dog biscuit to get to get him to come with his data pad. Yeah. And so I didn't like when he first came back. I was like, okay, he's coming back, and then he'll leave. But then he he became like a major part of the story, um, and he had a really interesting perspective on everything. Yeah, he was the big, the character that really, like, believed in the Force and all of that kind of stuff, which I thought was really unique. It was a really cool way to bring in the aspect of the Force without it being Jedi or Sith related, which I actually really liked about people that are out there kind of like Lor Santeca who aren't in tune with the Force, you know, or they're not... They're not force wielders, if you will, but they believe in the force as a religion or as a a way of being or like kind of like cheer it 
from Rogue One. Like, those kind of, the people that believe in the Force but aren't necessarily Force wielders. I really like that, and I like getting to see more of those characters. Right. And we, so, so how do you say his name? Saulo. Okay. Saulo, he, he kind of had an interesting backstory, too, because he grew up on Coruscant with his brother, and so he had some sort of an education, but he didn't have, he was never trained you know, to 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 know about the Jedi it was something that he kind of came across, but he only had pieces of it. You yeah, know, so and he... They, he doesn't call them Jedi. He calls them he well, he says Jedi, but he says it weird because he doesn't know how to pronounce it. I think. Right. So he it was almost like he got bits and pieces of the lore or of the religion of the Jedi, and so he was trying to kind of put it together on his own, and he would like pray to the Force or. You know, kind of be like, oh, the force is going to be with me in this situation if I wish wish it hard enough, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was it was really interesting to see his belief, and I thought it was a nice tie-in because we know Han in the original trilogy where he's kind of like, oh, that's you know, the force is just a bunch of you know whatever. It's it's a dumb religion, and I think this maybe even kind of was part of the basis of that. You know, he saw this character who believed in something that didn't really matter, and then that character ended up dying. And so I, th- I wonder if this was kind of part of his, with Han not being impressed by the Force, or maybe not even believing in the Force. Well, and you see p- bits and pieces of where he kind of starts to believe in the Force, you know, and he's like, oh, well, cool, because things are happening, and it really seems like the Force is with them, right? But then I think what it is is that because Solo dies and because he really likes Saulo as a character, like as a friend, he turns his back on the Force. And what we see with Han a lot is that he turns his back on things. You know, when things aren't working out the best for him or whatever, he's very, very quick to to turn his back on those things, which is kind of unfortunate. I mean, we even see it in Last Shot when he's dealing with being a father. Like, he's ready to just, like, walk out the door because it's just difficult and it's not working right, you know? He's very impatient. Yeah. He has a hard time dealing with life. Yeah. Yeah. But he is loyal, though, and he does have very that loyal. quality, you know, where he's loyal to his friends and people he cares about. So he does, you know, even with Kira, like, leaving her on the planet and then just, you know, wanting to come back and get her in a new hope when he left with his money, but then decided to come back and save the day. So we do see these glimpses of the, this loyalty and this, you know, great guy that he is, but yeah, he does have his moments where he kind of runs away from things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but you know, I think we get more on his upbringing. Like he doesn't really answer any questions about where he came from, but he gets close I was you know, hoping we would tough. get a little bit of history about his father. Me too. Because we had gotten the mention in the movie, and he does mention his father, but so briefly, it's just like one sentence in this book, and then he even kind of just jokes about his father being like related to royalty, but it's obviously not him being serious. No, and because so... Kira asked, is that true? And he's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he, we really got no more information than we already knew. Mm-hmm. which was a little disappointing, but maybe they're saving that for something else or they they don't want to tread that ground yet. Well, and I know there were people that definitely wanted the 
original Han story for him to be like a Karelian prince and like all that stuff to actually be true. You know, and maybe so they have a... to be they have to be careful about how they how they handle. <laughs> maybe they don't want to tread <laughs> on his backstory too much, or maybe that there could be stories that are already planned. You know that we don't know about that's going to reveal some of this stuff. So that could also be accurate. We will see. We did get a little bit of a glimpse into Han's ability to speak other languages and understand other languages. Yeah, he I understands Hatties. Yeah, and it it made sense to me. I know a lot of people kind of complained about, they were like, well, how does this guy who's only ever been on this one planet know how to speak Shiriwook, you know, or Shiriwook. to be able to understand these, these languages? And it, it didn't bother me in the movie, but I liked how the book kind of explained it more, you know, in the the role that he had, you know, as this kind of scrum rat or whatever, where he's he's dealing with a lot of different species and kind of, he has to know this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. he'd run into Wookiees before. And it wasn't like he was fluent. He he just knew some phrases. He knew enough to get by. But, I mean, he, sp- he spoke Hatties and, and Kira didn't even speak Hatties. So that is a skill that Han has that is um, kind of unique to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I actually really like that. And the fact... So in the audiobook. And I don't know how it was written in the regular book, but when Salulo talks, you know, he speaks in Hatties. But you, so at first you hear the Hatties language in the audiobook, and eventually they stop doing the Hatties and they just do the translation, you know, but with like a different sounding voice, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but Kira starts to understand it by the end. She does. She starts to pick up on it. She's a smart cookie. She's definitely, she's definitely smart. She was picking up. Uh, by the end, she could almost understand him without Han translating, and she understood more than she even let Han know she understood, which is kind of fits her personality. You know, but she see, I also to... think she was like she didn't know she understood it until she had to challenge herself to understand it. You know. Yeah. So it was almost like it's like when you know something, but you don't really know you know it. That kind of thing. Like you impress yourself. Before. Yeah, it's like wow, look at me. <laughs> that has happened to me before. And I thought it was funny that that Han was cuz there was a point where where the Wookiee that they rescued from the prison mm-hmm. he like growls something and then Han translates it and then he growls something else and Han says something different and Kira's like how does that, that he just growled the same way like how is that two different words? And Han's like no, it was different. So he could he could tell like the intricacies of the differences of growls from Wookiees but he could not pronounce the word gotra. Well, I think he was also kind of doing that on purpose. <laughs> like he kept saying it because different. he finally, because he finally does say it correctly to tool. He says droid gotra, but to every, he's like the droid gizmo. Right. And the droid. <laughs> droid gooba. The droid gooba. Yeah. Like he just kept saying it different. Yeah. Maybe he was just trying to be funny, but I just, I thought that was kind of ironic that he couldn't, get one word right but he could he could tell the difference between hook uh, wookie growls <laughs> it's so han oh han yeah they and speaking of that i mean just the characterization of both kira and han i thought was really spot on from what we saw in the movie i did too um, they and you could see just the differences in their personalities and Han's way of doing things versus her way of doing things. And it fits so well with what ends up happening in the movie, you know, where Han is kind of, 
he's a little naive, you know, at the end of the movie with, with Kira where he like leaves her and he's like, Oh yeah. You know, she's like, I'll catch up with you later. But she ultimately never, she never was going to go catch up with Han. She was kind of doing something for herself. And you can see the seeds of that in this book, the differences in their personalities and mm-hmm. her kind of being a little bit more calculating um, and more willing to, to uh, do something like that. And I, I don't like to use the word betray Han because I feel like it was kind of a betrayal, but kind of not. But um, she had a similar choice to make even in this book. Well, I don't think you can betray somebody when you're basically owned by a, you know, a crime syndicate. You can't really betray, you know. Um, there was there. Well, we don't know. But anyway, yeah, she had a very similar choice, not in a betrayal form, though. It was more of an opportunity for her. And I kind of wonder, like, had she taken that opportunity, you know, then she never would have become a part of Crimson Dawn and la, 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 la. Yeah. I, how did you think, like, what were you thinking? In, I mean, you obviously knew what choice she was going to make because you know where she ends up. But there was a small part of me that was kind of like, take it. So this is the obvious no, decision. No, yeah. <laughs> I agree. There was a small piece of me that was like, you should really do this. This is a This would be super offer. smart for you. Yeah. <laughs> this would be great. The, but then at her... the same time, I would have a really hard time leaving my friends as well, especially after everything we've gone through, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they had they had built up their relationship as friends to that point with her and Han and Sulo to Sulo. Man, I'm really bad at pronouncing his Su-ulo. name. Sulo. Sulo. They that because they, they were it kind of you can see the progression throughout the book where she's like, okay, these are just people I'm with, and then at one point they she's like, oh, I think they're kind of my friends, and then Sulo calls her a friend, and she's like, okay. And so then by the end, they've only spent a few days together, but they're they're like really close friends. Well, um, I would be close friends with, you know, people if I was being chased by bad guys. Right. If you're you're running for your life. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, so it was it was interesting because you're like, okay, she has this opportunity to get out of the sewers and not have to eat rat sludge, which yeah. just sounds like the worst thing ever to take this job and maybe the person you're working for is not the greatest person in the world. It doesn't say, you know, the late, they obviously established that this, this engineer was not a great person, but it's, just, it could have been a stepping stone, you know, get off the planet, go somewhere else. Maybe she gets a job somewhere else. I don't know. I just was like, this is actually a decision that I may have made differently. Maybe I would have turned my back on my friends or I maybe would have negotiated a little harder. Be like, all right, I'll take the job. If you like, you know, set my friends up to go off planet you know, give them some, you know, help them out kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't think the engineer was going to make any kind of deals. No. Unfortunately. No. So the the, kind of the main thing that, that they were kind of the, the crux of the book, I Mm -hmm. guess would be the, the data cube. Yeah. That they had to, they were sent on this mission. There's an auction. The auction goes bad. Now they have this data cube. They think if they keep the data cube, they're going to get killed by the Kaldana and the droid Gatra and all of the stuff that's going on. And that what that's what kicks off their adventure. And um, the engineer is the one who developed this cube. So they ultimately decide to kind of try to get it back to her. Um, but through all of this, we get to hear about all of these different kind of crime syndicates and organizations, which I thought was really cool. 
And I, I believe these syndicates have been mentioned in other, I think Tarkin, uh, the Tarkin novel mentioned some of these syndicates. So I like that, that it's kind of consistent throughout and they didn't just create new names for new groups that they were actually using, you know, stuff we had heard before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. They, and they do mention Crimson Dawn. Yes. So, you know, so that was nice that they actually did mention that and it wasn't just like a throwaway thing. Uh, yeah. But the White know. Worms were kind of like the small, like small time player in this, in this thing. Um, that, that Kira and Han ultimately wanted to go back to, not necessarily wanted to go back to, but they knew it was their only option by yeah. the end. So they kind of end up back to where it makes sense that they would end up. But we got to see them leave, leave Corellia, which I was actually surprised that we got yeah, to see I them get off planet. Yeah, I was surprised too that they, that they went off, you know, off planet in this. I thought that was very interesting. Because we actually got to see the first moment that Han Solo, um, you know, went into space. We got to see the first moment that he went into hyperspace. Oh, yeah. And that was a cool thing to be able to read. It's almost a moment that you would think maybe they would have saved for um, a bigger platform. But the fact that we got it in a book was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was so into into planes and planes ships <laughs> ships and being in the cockpit and like all this stuff and he talks about what he would do if he was a pilot if he had a ship and all this stuff how he would keep his ship i think at one point he says that he would keep it really clean and all this other stuff yeah. that made me laugh yeah he did he did say if he ever got his own ship that he would keep it clean and he wouldn't have you wouldn't have a curtain over a bulkhead kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. and then you have the Falcon. Right. Know, where you're like, okay, <laughs> I guess he, he thought he had the best of intentions to keep that thing clean, but, um, but not so much. No, that didn't work out very well, did it? Although he did say, cause I think the, the one ship that they were on was Nubian, which is the same type of ship that we see, um, Queen Am- Amidala on. Like the same, mm-hmm. at least the same like developer, uh, or the same group that made that ship. So yeah. he was he made a comment about that one being too shiny. He's like, "Oh, this is too shiny. I would want something a little bit different than that." So, but I thought that was a that was kind of an interesting call out because um, he did say something about he would just want a freighter um, that's a little bit raggedy or something like that. Yeah, and I'm always, when it comes to ship types, you know me, I don't really remember. So we did ask our listeners on Twitter and Facebook if they had any comments about the book. Oh, yeah. So maybe we could read a couple of those. Sure. We got one on Twitter um, here from his, um, I say his, it might not be a him. The the person's Twitter handle is at scumandvillainy. Mm-hmm. And they say, more of a Kira book than Hans, which was welcome. Ray Carson really seemed to get a grasp on the characters that we saw in Solo. Not my favorite canon book or anything, but it was solid. Oh, yeah. So That is, it is, and I think they don't really plug it as being a Han book. It's just Most Wanted, which I think is a great title because they are really wanted on the planet by multiple crime syndicates. 
And the Kaldana are terrible, and I'm glad that they're basically wiped off of the galaxies. Yeah, very speciesist. Yeah, ugh. But some of the droid gotcha kind of... You know, there's been this theme when it comes to stuff with Solo related to droids and organics and droids being put down by the man otherwise known as organics and like the droids wanting to rise up like that kind of thing it's i haven't we haven't really seen that in star wars until solo yeah it's it is it has been a bit of a theme although it wasn't a huge focus in this book because we didn't spend a lot of time with the droid gotcha characters mm-hmm. but when we did the droid talk gimbo. to huh i said oh. the droid gimbo <laughs> but when we when they did talk to tool especially at the end of the book when they talk to Tool, because at one point in the book, you think he might die, but then he actually lived. Mm-hmm. And by the end, they're talking to him, and he's like, they're they're talking about all the the Kaldana ship that got blown up, and they're like, all the thousands of people that died. And he's like, oh, I don't care about organic life. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of cold. <laughs> I kind of like yeah. Tool. But yeah, so I thought that was, yeah, they're, they're very much, I guess the droid Gatra is like this, this group that's just really looking for droid equality, but almost to a militant scale. Yeah. So our friend Matt Rushing said, this book does such a great job of setting up Solo, the character, and giving us a greater understanding of the world Han comes from. Carson nails the characterizations. I think we agree with that. Yep, we do. And then I'll just read this one from Brianna Jones really quick. She said, loved it, couldn't put it down. Me either. That like, figuratively because i was listening to it so yes that i wasn't really handling the book itself. so i did i did want to call this out because i made a mistake i only have myself to blame oh no but i posted this earlier today on facebook and one of our listeners responded um and saying that it was chad walton and he responded and said that he was sad that <laughs> Sahula, Tasula, Saulo, Saulo, Saulo died, and at this point, I had I had about I forget I had probably about fifty pages left to read, and mm-hmm. I hadn't gotten to that point yet. Oh, so it was spoiled for me that the character mm-hmm. died. So Chad spoiled it for me. Thanks, Chad. But, but it has been out for a month. I know he even said more that. than a month. Yeah, he he said it. It's been out, but he actually had a comment about the book, so I'll read that. It says, "I really enjoyed the book. It was well paced, and I thought character development was very strong. I especially liked the character Suulo. Good, that With, was better. Okay, without spoiling this time, there are some nuggets that tie to Solo that further the background of the movie. Keep your eyes open. So, so Chad, that was his non-spoiler comment. Well, let's talk about Solo dying really quickly. Were you expecting any of the three of them to die? Yeah, because I got spoiled. <laughs> no, before. No, actually, I wasn't. I I wasn't expecting him to die. In fact, I was wondering if he would maybe end up staying back with the engineer because he had like a desire yeah. to be an engineer himself, and so I thought maybe that would be a good ending for him. Um, or maybe they would just have him, you know, kind of end up back with the white worms, but not at all would I have expected them to kill him. And he was such a nice 
good character that's like the type of character you don't want to see die no he was amazing that death actually i think made my eyes water a little bit just because i was like oh my gosh and then the end when he's like is the force with me maybe it was all the sham and kira's like no you are with the force he's like i am and i was like oh my god yeah i liked that you know because i think all throughout both han and kira were probably rolling their eyes every time you brought up the force and stuff but I like that Kira, even though she didn't necessarily believe what she was saying, kind of gave him that moment before he died. Mm-hmm. That was really that was a good that was a good moment with her. And even Han, I think, so, asked her. He's like, "You don't really believe what you said," and she's like, oh, "I don't think so." But yeah, that was a. Sad... But she says, but she says, like, you know, being able to give someone peace in their last moments, which yeah, totally. Yeah. You know. Uh, so Amanda Reynolds said, I really enjoyed the book. I liked getting into Kira and Han's heads and also getting to see the world that they belong to. I actually think the world that Ray built could have worked as a series of books starting original characters where this book was one in that series where Han and Kira's story was alongside of the original character story, kind of like servants of the empire and rebels for once. After reading this book, I wanted to see more of that world. This book was a pleasant surprise. She has a really good point there. There's a lot of depth in this crime syndicate world of Corellia and with the White Worms and all this stuff. There's so much room for many stories about a lot of people. So she wants a White Worms book series. No, I don't think she wants a White <laughs> But there's just a lot here. Just like you could go into the seedy underbelly of Coruscant and there's like tons of stories available, you know? Yeah, it's got like like you were saying, Servants of the Empire being kind of a, based on Lothal and getting to know that planet better. This would be an opportunity for there to be more information about Corellia. So yeah, there's definitely plenty of information here to mine that you could get more books out. And maybe, you never know, there could be more that they do. I don't know what the time period, I guess, I guess this is pretty close to the movie, right? I would say so. Within a year. Cause I think they were saying they thought they were 18, but they weren't sure if they were 18. Yeah. Like they didn't even know their own ages. Right. And I think in the movie, they're only supposed to be like 19, <laughs> like so 1920. This is right before all that. Yeah. So it's right before. So there's not a lot of space after this for there to be a sequel or anything. Do you want to read Michael Shanks? Michael Shanks. Michael Shanks says, I enjoyed this book. I thought there was a lot of character development on Kira, and I really enjoyed the character Sulo. You're making me say that name? Sulo. Sulo. My only problem is really the same issue I had with Solo. I'm not getting into this droids are slaves thing. I didn't buy it in the movie, and it doesn't help in the book either. George Lucas referred to droids as toasters. Everyone has one. In this day and age, I think of them as in the likes of Siri, Google, or Alexa. They are helpers, not slaves. Now we do see examples of droids being misused, but I think that does happen with lots of technology. Anyway, that was my biggest gripe. Other than that, it was a very fun adventure. Yeah, and I think it's all about how you see droids. See, I see droids as people and characters, you know? Like, I don't, like, R2-D2 isn't just a droid to me. Like, if R2-D2 got taken apart for parts or whatever, it would be devastating. Or, like, the deaths of... Like, the death of... What's his name? K2SO? No. Oh. Well, did, um, well, yeah, that. I wasn't thinking of him, but, yeah, that one hurt. No. 
Maybe he didn't die. I don't remember. So in Rebels, the one when he's floating around in space and he's like singing to himself and he's oh, like, yeah. ah, da, da, da. but like that kind of stuff. I mean, it's just it's terrible. And when the droids get hurt, I don't see, know. Like for I me, like... I see them as characters. I and also there will be a day when the series and Alexas and you know whatever come alive in your house and eat you while you're sleeping. So well, I don't know about eat you, but I think. I think in our lifetime, and there definitely will be droids or robots that are much more interactive and more human-like. I mean, they're already getting there with some technology. It's kind of it's kind of crazy what they can do now. Well, um, okay, think about the Jetsons. Like, would you call their nanny, whatever her name is, the robot one, like just like a droid? Because like I'm pretty sure, yeah, like I'm pretty sure she was a part of their family. Well, I think in Star Wars, it's kind of all over the map because you do have droids like. R2 and C3PO that feel like characters, personality, feelings, everything. Chopper is like that. But then you have other, you know, BB8 is kind of like that, but he almost feels like a pet more than a, a friend. Yeah, he's like a pet. But then you have other droids that are very just functional and they just, they don't really have much of a personality and they're just kind of going about their day. You know, the background droids and stuff like the little mouse droid that rolls around. But they're so, kind of like pets too. Yeah, but it's it's but kind see, of all like, over the map. That's the whole thing of pets. Like, even if a droid is your pet, the death of a pet, or if your pet gets hurt, is one of the absolute worst things in the world. Or like, if your pet is sick because they can't tell you what's wrong with them. And I'm saying that's from experience of seeing my sick kitties, you know, and they can't tell me what's the matter, and all I do is worry, you know. And I've lost my fair share of pets, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah, I think I think the difference here and what maybe Michael's getting at is that there's a difference between organic life and something that is just robot, you know, just wires. But and I metal. don't agree. But yeah, that's the thing. That would be the life debate. Is and life. if if we were and in life the will find a way, if and we do were you in the Star Wars the universe, or do you not save the dinosaurs because they're dinosaurs? How, How do you decide? Dinosaurs? It just all goes back to the same. <laughs> but if we lived in the Star Wars universe, this would be something that people would debate. You know, are they really life? Are they not? Do they have rights? And that's, you know, equality. it's coming up. Yeah, like hashtag equality or like, you know, 50 50 representation of droids. Would you, would, you, would you be part of the droid gotro? Like, would you agree I mean, with them? I feel like that's an extremist group. I would definitely be. You know, campaigning for pro for you know pro droid and you know like equalization or equality of droids and you know pay equal payment like equal that pay, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, got... Equal pay for droids, like all all of the things that are so real right now in our life are also true in Star Wars with droids. I could see that being uh, a big issue in Star Wars. You know, that would be a yes. big po a political debate that would go on because, yeah, droids, as far as we know, it seems like at least, most of the droids we read about and see in the movies are doing jobs because they're being told to do jobs, not because they're getting paid. They're slaves. Uh, but there are exceptions. You know, IG-88 is a bounty hunter, so he's actually out there earning money. You know, so yeah, there but are... he's having to do it that way. Do you think if he could have gotten a real upstanding job that he would be doing that? No. So you're saying he was no, forced he into a life wouldn't. of crime was, because of yeah. inequality. Yeah. Hey, yes. you know what? I don't I disagree with you. you <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> Star Wars Bookworms is taking a pro-droid stance right now. 
We are hashtag pro droid. What are you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so Steve said, uh, Steve Cardali, he said, I really enjoyed it in the Legends canon. I honestly didn't care for the Han Solo, Han Solo trilogy of books. I just didn't couldn't get into them, but I wanted... Oh my gosh, I can't read, guys. Um, but I had to struggle to put Most Wanted down. I highly recommend it. That's high praise. That was high praise. You know the one character we didn't talk about? That, like, old that old man that Han became friends with? Old Man Paolo? Yes. Yeah. I love like that so character. Funny. He was amazing. He was this so cool. Is good. And he's, like, so basic. He's like, Han... Friend. friend friend stay and no, stay yeah i love that character i was like i was so happy that 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 they created that character i wish he was in it more i know even was... at the end they were like oh send him some more treats but we didn't get to see him again i was disappointed they didn't go say hi to him yeah he really likes those dog biscuits he does but that was a that was a clever character i like that that was kind of this different kind of character that you don't typically get um and they did never even really explained what he was. It was like human like, but he wasn't really human. Uh, he had golden glowing eyes. Like I was like, I want some mm-hmm. art of this character. I want somebody to do some art. So Patrick Pine said, I really enjoyed how the story added a lot of depth, specifically to Kira's character. So that seems like a common theme everybody's mm-hmm. saying. For that reason alone, I honestly kind of wish the book was released prior to Solo's film release, either be- between Last Shot and the film, or even flip flop the release dates of Last Shot with Most Wanted. That might be controversial to some people, but I personally feel that Most Wanted added more insight into her character that I liken to that I liken it to how Catalyst added depth to some of the characters, their relationships and motivations for Rogue One. Oh well, we have it now. I just feel that Most Wanted added a little to the viewings of Solo that I had after reading it. It'll be interesting to see if others felt this way too. I actually agree with him. I think Most Wanted should have been released and pushed as being like, read this before you see Solo. And I think it would have helped a lot of people, especially with understanding Kira. And then Last Shot coming out the day of the movie. I think that would have been great. Yeah, I agree. I would have loved to have read this before the movie. I think that they waited probably because they wanted people's first uh, introduction to the character of Kira to be in the movie. Yeah, probably. And not in a book. But I think it might have been a disservice at the same time, you know? Maybe. They might have been just kind of thinking the majority of people, you know, if you're just looking at, you know, numbers, the majority of people um, that are going to see this movie aren't going to read the book anyways. So the small amount of people that would get something out of it because the book came out first, it's not, it's, it's not worth it, I guess. I don't know. All right, so Scott Hume says, this may be an unpopular opinion given the love Last Shot has been getting from most, but I found that I enjoyed Most Wanted more than I enjoyed Last Shot. Hey, yay. I felt that Most Wanted added a lot more to my understanding of Han and Kira's relationship in the movie compared to the character background we got in Last Shot. Both were good books, but if I am asked to recommend one for someone to read in conjunction with Solo, my recommendation is for Most Wanted. I actually agree. If I was asked what book should I read along with this movie, at first I probably would have said Last Shot, but after reading this I would say Most Wanted. Just because I think it ties in more than last shot does last shot is just sort of like bonus content or something right 
Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I agree. Because a, a lot of Last Shot takes place across multiple time periods. Um, and a lot of it takes place after Return of the Jedi. So it's kind of, like you said, bonus content. It's after the events. This mm-hmm. is a great tie-in specifically to the movie of Solo. So I would agree. I think if somebody asked me which one to read before they went and saw the movie, I would say uh, Most Wanted. Mm-hmm. All right. So Abba Vader says, audiobook was great. I wish this came out before Solo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also people like that. And I'll let you take the last one we've got. Last one, Jonathan Cohn. I liked it but didn't love it. I loved Ahsoka because of the hype, and I liked Leia, Princess of Alderaan, because it was a well-developed story. I felt like Ray Carson was given just the first 10 or 15 pages of the script and was told to write a prequel, similar to how James Luceno did with Rogue One, but I felt like he did a better job tying tying it into the whole movie. That being said, I think that it is worth a read for anyone who likes Star Wars books. So, Jonathan, not so so much on this one. Yeah, but the overall reaction to this was what it seems is that a lot of people really liked it. And I think it's because of the whole aspect of Kira, honestly, and getting inside of her head so much more than what we've had from the movie. I think a lot of people really wanted that, which in a way it kind of shows some of the holes of the solo movie that so many people are reading this and loving it because of the fact that they get, they're getting more Kira, you know? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of um, the book that was kind of the prequel for Jyn Erso for Rogue One. I'm forgetting the name of that book. Well, that was Catalyst, right? No, not Catalyst. Um, The other one that was the, the junior novel that was specifically about her, you know, and Saul and all of that. Oh, Rebel Rising. Rebel Rising, yes. By Beth Revis. Yes. So that yes. book kind of had it served a oh, similar yeah, function. Oh, totally. Because when we watched Rogue One, it was the same thing. It was like Jyn Erso was cool, but we didn't really know that much about her. We didn't understand her motivations, her personality, kind of what made her tick. And then when we read Rebel Rising, we are like, oh, wow, that really just enhanced Rogue One and made me really like the character of Jyn a lot more. Yeah, well, you and know I, what I can Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think this book served a very similar function for Kira as a character. But you know what I think is really great is that we have all these female writers that are doing this and doing these young adult novels about these younger female characters and really giving them life in these books. I mean, you know, Claudia Gray, Beth Revis and Ray Carson. Like I I am loving all of these authors that we're getting that are writing these women. That's just that to me is just oh, amazing. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. And this was a fun story. It was simple. There wasn't a lot to it. You know, it was a very basic kind of linear story. You know, they got the cube. They're running away with the cube. They turned the cube back in. They made some money. Like, it was just, it was a very simple story. So there's not a lot going on. You're just kind of reading through this adventure. And sometimes those are just really good stories to sit down and just relax and enjoy. And that's what I liked about it. There wasn't a Mm -hmm. lot of complex stuff going on. But it still was a fun read. And the main thing I enjoyed about it was the characterization of both Han and Kira that we got to see leading into the movie. Um, But the story itself was just kind of, okay, whatever. But it was more, for me, it was more about getting to know the characters. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that big time. So overall, you liked it. I did. 
I did like it. And I thought the audiobook was really well done as well. So, um, and I, I like, I want to know, you know, I like these characters. I want to know more. And I, you know, having seen the movie Solo a few times now and, you know, seeing it's not doing great at the box office and all of that. So people are, are assuming that there's not going to be any more, but I would love for there to be a sequel to the movie. And if we don't get a sequel to the movie, give us more books with these characters, because I think Kira especially is a character that could, there's just so much more of her story to tell even post solo that I really oh, want to you know. know there, there's going to be more solo related stuff and they were definitely going somewhere with the end of it. And I don't, all this box office nonsense, just, there's a Hotel Transylvania number three, people. So, like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, just, but Hotel Transylvania whatever. expectations are going to be a little lower than a Star Wars movie. I, but my, I, I get my what you're point, saying. My point is that there are sequels to things that there shouldn't have been sequels to. You know? Like, okay, I love Jurassic Park, but two and three were what? Like... Especially three. I mean, Lost World was meh, but three. What was that? What was that? Just... <laughs> you didn't like three, the return of uh, of Grant and all that stuff. No. No, that was two, wasn't it? Two was Lost World, where with uh, it was more focused on. Which Malcolm. one is Jeff Goldblum and his daughter? That's two. That's two. Okay, and it was yeah. three the one with the little boy that gets stuck on the island and they have to go find the little boy. The either way. Thing. Yeah. What? Either way. Two I like three, three better than two. That's Seriously? What I was, yeah. No, no, no. I, I totally get what you're saying. Certain, if you're a big enough franchise, they're going to make sequels, you know, because okay, people are going to see it anyways. But, but like third mummy, really? But the difference the with Star Scorpion Wars is. The Scorpion King. The difference okay, with Star sorry. Wars is they. <laughs> They already have planned more movies, and they can adjust like what they're going to make. So we know there's going to be more Star Wars movies. There's always going to be more Star Wars movies. But the, what the subject matter is can sometimes be controlled by what's doing well. Do you and remember so if, when there was a time when we couldn't say that, that there are going to be more Star Wars movies, there's always going to be more oh, Star I know. Wars I love it. I love it. And I, if they don't make another solo movie, that's fine, because there's a ton that's coming out that I'm excited about. I hope they do. But I think that the whole box office thing, although maybe overblown, is it is worth talking about that it could change the direction of things. See, I disagree. I think we're blowing things out of proportion over here with the multi-mega million dollar company that is Disney. So, hey, when a movie doesn't even make back its budget, that's a problem no matter who you that are. That happens to Disney all the time with John Carter. I think it happened with Wrinkle in Time. It happened with Tomorrowland. I mean, it happens a lot with Disney. And then you know? we'll never see and sequels yet, to any of those movies. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They still keep making movies and stuff. It's not oh, like yeah, they're going to stop. They'll keep making movies. They just won't make sequels to those movies that bomb. Well, why would they, they don't? Disney doesn't always make sequels to its movies anyway. Yeah, I know. You know, you know what movie is going to do really well? What? Christopher Robin. That movie is going to do excellent. You know what? I was thinking about it. I'm going to cry the whole freaking time. On that I subject? I know it. I'm going to sit I... there and be like, Pooh Bear. <laughs> I'm actually really excited for that. I was never a big Pooh fan. Like, I didn't grow up with, with Pooh as a kid. But That's ridiculous. I appreciate the, the connection to Disney. I like the Pooh stuff in the Disney parks and all of that. So... But this movie, really what's selling me on this movie is more the fact that 
Ewan McGregor is in it because he's probably my favorite actor across the board. There's there's no other actor I would rather see in a movie. What? So. No, you didn't just say that. What? You don't like Ewan McGregor? No, I do, but Tom Hanks. <laughs> like, seriously? I like Tom Hanks a lot. Okay. Good. I do. I'm glad you just not as much as Ewan McGregor. <laughs> I do so, love Ewan McGregor. He's I so do. good. And I think even in these trailers for Pooh, it's just like, oh, I can't wait to see this God, movie. Watching him interact with Pooh Bear and Eeyore, he like picks Eeyore up. I'm like, ah! We're getting way <laughs> off topic now, but bringing it back a little bit, I really do hope they make a, a Kenobi movie with, yeah, with McGregor. Too. Totally. And um, yeah. in the movie, at some point, there needs to be a tiny little stuffed Pooh Bear somewhere in Obi-Wan's cave. Like a dusty like Pooh Bear in the corner yeah. that you can barely see, like a nice little Easter egg. That would be funny. That would yes. be great. <laughs> All right. Well, this brings us to the end of episode 92. If you want to get in touch with us on Twitter, we are at SWBookrooms. We are also on email, which is a big deal. You guys can send us emails. Let us know what you think of Most Wanted at starwarsbookworms at gmail.com and on facebook we are facebook.com slash starwarsbookworms and we have our facebook group which is where we got all these comments from our listeners that we read on the show all came from our facebook group so if you haven't joined our group yet you can jump over there request to join you just have to answer a couple questions and then we'll get you in there uh, mm-hmm. we're also on itunes you can leave us a review if you haven't done that yet we'd really appreciate it you can find Teresa on Instagram and Twitter at Ice Cold Penguin. You can find me at AV Goins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.